My name's John Redmond from First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas, and I want to thank you for joining us today on Peace by Believing. And on today's program, we're going to be thinking about how we can effectively share our faith in Christ with other people. And so I pray that this sermon will be a blessing and an encouragement to you today. You know, I've always thought that one of the hardest things in the world to do is to talk to another person about God. Do any of you find that challenging or difficult? Maybe a family member or a coworker or a friend, somebody you go to school with, and, and you've never really had a spiritual conversation with that person, and yet you feel like you should do that, and yet there's something about talking to somebody else about God that can be intimidating, it can be awkward, we don't know what to say, we don't feel qualified, we don't feel worthy. I mean, who are we? We're not, we, we don't have our lives together, we're not perfect. Who are we to talk to somebody else about God? What if we come across as holier than thou, or what if we come across as some kind of a pious person that we're really not, or what if we just mess it up and say the wrong thing? And so today, I want us to think about how we can share our faith in Jesus Christ with others in a very natural way. And so if you'll open your Bible today to Luke chapter 2, I'll show you a passage of Scripture where we read about some people who did exactly that. They shared their faith in Christ with others. And we're reading again today about these shepherds. Now, the shepherds are normally preached about during December. They're part of the Christmas story. But there's only a few weeks in December to preach about the Christmas narrative, and so a lot of material gets left out. And one of the things that never gets emphasized very much is these shepherds. We know a little bit about that when Jesus was born, there were shepherds out in the field, you know, doing their work, and an angel came and said, Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world has been born. If you'll go to this particular location, you'll find him. So they went there. So we're vaguely familiar with the shepherds. But in my reading of the scriptures and just kind of thinking about the importance of the shepherds. Uh, First of all, last Sunday, we did a whole sermon on verse number eight. Look at chapter two and verse eight. It said, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And as they were out there at nighttime doing what they did, we know an angel of the Lord came and gave them some good news. And I did a whole sermon last week talking about how God often speaks to those who are going through dark seasons of life. And so we learn that from the shepherds. Just like God spoke to these angels in the darkness at night through the angel, God speaks to us in the dark seasons of our life. Well, let's move on from there today, beginning in verse 9. And I want us to think how we can learn from the shepherds how we can be a more effective witness, how we can share our faith in Christ with others. Verse 9, And behold... An angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. 
So it was, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that the Lord that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. So let's just stop right there and begin to think, what can we learn from these shepherds? At the end of the story, we're going to see they actually did become very effective witnesses. They went back to where they were from, and they started telling their friends and people they knew that the Savior of the world had been born. But how did they become such an effective witness? And how can you, how can I become a more effective witness? Number one, I wish you'd just jot this down. It almost seems so obvious that you wouldn't even need to say it. But I think actually it's the most important thing of anything I'm going to say today. If you're going to be an effective witness for Jesus Christ, first of all, you better make sure that you have found Jesus. If you're going to share him with others, you better make sure that you have found him for yourself, that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, look back in verse number uh, 15, number 16, I'm sorry. This is very interesting. It said, the shepherds came with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now, When those shepherds got to where Jesus had been placed in that manger, in that feed trough, it would have been easy for them to, from a distance, have have seen the baby, but mainly to have talked to Mary and Joseph and to focus on them and to develop, to have developed a relationship with the earthly parents of Jesus and to have thought, well, hey, we have gotten close to somebody who knows Jesus. I think there are people who do that today. Even with Mary, the Virgin Mary, the Blessed Mary. Now, I would be the first to say that Mary has got to be the most godly lady who ever lived. The Bible says she is blessed among women. She is highly favored. But I think some people have Mary on such a high pedestal that in their mind, they have the idea that the way I get to God, the way I go to heaven, the way I get my sins forgiven is I come through Mary. And as I come through Mary confessing my sins and, you know, asking her to speak well of me to Jesus or to speak well of me to God, it's kind of, I think some very sincere people view Mary kind of as the entrance into heaven. Again, I revere Mary. I honor Mary. She's blessed among women. But friend, let me say this to you. You don't get to heaven by knowing Mary. You get to heaven by knowing Jesus. It's not a relationship with Mary. Yes, we honor her and we revere her, but we have to get beyond Mary and we have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But some people, I think, have never quite gotten beyond Mary. They, they pray to Mary and they don't pray to Jesus. Listen, if Mary were here today, Mary would say to every one of us, don't pray to me, pray to Jesus. Don't let me come between you and Jesus. In John chapter 2, do you remember a situation there where Jesus was there and his mother Mary was there and others were there and they had a problem and they didn't really know what to do about the problem. And so Mary spoke up and Mary said to everybody around, whatever Jesus tells you to do, do that. What was Mary saying? Mary was saying, let your relationship be with Jesus. 
Let your relationship be between you and him, not between you and me. Don't come to me. Go to Jesus. And so Jesus is the one we have to find. And these shepherds, when they got there, they saw Mary and Joseph, but they went beyond them and they got to Mary. I think sometimes people have not found Jesus and they've gotten very close to finding Jesus by finding somebody else who knows Jesus. And I think some people think, as long as I am close to a pastor... Or as long as I have Christian friends, or as long as I'm close to somebody who is is a devout Christian, then maybe I can just ride into heaven in that relationship. I often used to worry when Billy Graham was still living, and I hope I'm wrong on this, but I used to be concerned that there were some celebrities, politicians, maybe even presidents, who felt like they were going to heaven because they had a relationship with Billy Graham. Here's this great Christian, this influential minister. I mean, the greatest preacher since the Apostle Paul. And some, the reason I felt that way, sometimes a, a, an entertainer or a, a politician would be asked about their faith. And instead of just saying, Jesus Christ has changed my life. Jesus Christ has come to live inside of me. Jesus Christ has forgiven me of my sins. They would say things like this. They would say, well, you know, I've had many spiritual conversations with Billy Graham. Or... I've talked to Billy Graham. I've had many questions about the Bible that I've talked to Billy Graham about. Well, that's good. I mean, if, if, if I would have known Billy Graham, I'm sure I would have asked him lots of questions too. But friend, I want to be clear on something. I think we know, but I think the point is still a good point. Nobody goes to heaven because they knew Billy Graham. And nobody goes to heaven because they're friends of a priest or a pastor or even the Pope. The only way we go to heaven is by having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we've got to get beyond that. I think some people have not found Jesus. They found others who are close to Jesus, but they never have found Jesus. I think some people, instead of finding Jesus, have found religion. Or they found a church. Or they found a type of music that they like. And they're like, this is very good. And so they found that. And as important as all these things are, that's not Jesus. We've got to get beyond anything and everything that's not Jesus so that we can get to Jesus. Let me give you a scripture verse. In Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 6, listen to this. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Say that with me. Seek the Lord while he may be found. And so the Bible is saying, as it is today, God can still be found. But there's coming a day when you will not be able to find him. He will be inaccessible to you. So we've got to get beyond other people. We've got to get beyond religion. We've got to get beyond Mary. We've got to get beyond music. We've got to get beyond anything that we would settle for that is less than Jesus. And we've got to get to Jesus and know him personally. So the first thing I'm saying is that had to be an effective witness. That's a good question. It's a good question for all of us today. Has there ever been a time in your life where you found Jesus, where Jesus Christ came to live in you. Just like Jesus was born in Bethlehem at a certain, at a particular place at a particular time, here's the question, has there ever been a time and has there ever been a place where where Jesus Christ came to live in your heart? And so that's the first requirement for being an effective witness is that you know the one that you're sharing with others. He's real to you. Now, the second thing that we have to have if we're going to be an effective witness, not only we have to make sure that we have found Jesus, but we have to make sure that our joy is in Jesus. It is in Jesus. 
that our happiness, our purpose, our everything is in Jesus, not just in the blessings of God. You know, sometimes you'll ask somebody, well, tell me what God's done in your life. And, and they'll say things like, well, man, God's given me a great job, and, and God's given me a great family, and God's given me a good house, and God's given me enough money, and God's given me good health. Hey, we thank God for all. I thank God for every one of those things. But think about what we're saying. If we, in our minds, limit you know, what God has done for us to the blessings He gives us, what we're really saying is, the main thing to me is what God has done for me. Here's a, I mean, yes, God's done everything for us, and we're thankful for that. But maybe here's a better question. What has God done recently in you? What is God doing right now in you? Is your joy in a personal relationship with Jesus? Now, keep your bulletin where we are and turn to the book of 1 Peter. I want to show you a very interesting verse, 1 Peter chapter number 3. And this verse, I think, tells us how we're supposed to be a witness and how we're supposed to share our faith with Christ, in Christ, or at least one of the ways. 1 Peter chapter 3 and in verse number 15. Let me let you find it. 1 Peter 3, 15. It says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. Think about that. We're supposed to share our faith with people who come to us and ask us why we have peace, why we have joy, why we're patient. Maybe none of us are as patient as we should be. Why we try to be kind. I mean, the idea here in the Bible is if a person has truly been saved, and if that person is truly in love with Jesus Christ, walking with Him each day, filled with the Spirit, that that person's life should be so different from the life of an unbeliever that unbelievers would seek out the believer and say, what gives with you? How could you, going through what you're going through in your life, have this peace and have this calmness and have this contentment and have this positive? How, how are you like you are? Here's a good question. When is the last time somebody asked you about your faith? When's the last time somebody came up to you and said, how are you like you are? Now, it is true that we're, you know, as, when we think about witnessing and sharing our faith, we're supposed to be on the aggressive end and we're supposed to seek people out and we're supposed to go into the highways and hedges. And I, I get that part of it. But there's another sense in which if Jesus is real to us, if he has saved us, and if he is changing us, that other people should come to us and say, what gives with you? What is the deal? And so when that happens, we have an opportunity to share with them. That's a, that's a convicting question for me. When I think about my own life, not how many times I preach, because I preach all the time, but when I think about my own life and I think, when is the last time that somebody sought me out, that somebody came to me and said, John, I want what you have. I don't know what it is. I don't know who it is, but I want what you have. And so you need to ask yourself that question. When is the last time somebody came to you and said, there's something different about you, and I want to know what it is? Well, however long that's been for any of us, I think most of us would say it's been too long. 
And that should happen more often. And it would happen more often if God were more of a part of our daily lives. So first of all, if we're going to be a good witness, we have to make sure that we have found Jesus, that we are sure that we're saved. Number two, that we make sure our joy is in Jesus, not just in his blessings. Look back in Luke chapter 2 and in verse number 20. Look at these shepherds. It says, Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. In other words, these shepherds, now think about it, they had an encounter with a baby. We're having, we have an encounter with a risen Savior, and yet their encounter, just seeing fulfilled prophecy, it so changed their life that they're glorifying God, they're praising God, they're enthusiastic, they're excited about life. You know what the word enthusiasm means? The root, the etymology of enthusiasm, it means God in you. In means in, and then theos, enthusiasm, that's the word God. So the person who is enthusiastic about life, the person who is, intera- is, is excited about sharing his or her faith, the person who is, 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 is grateful for what God is doing in his life or her life, that person is enthusiastic because God is living in their heart. Now, you still listen? Say amen, because I want to shift the gear here and get, kind of get us to where we're headed. If you're going to be an effective witness at work, at school, in the gym, in the community, with friends, family, strangers, whoever, if you're live, if you're going to be what we would call a soul winner, And remember what it says in the Old Testament, he who wins souls is wise. And we're supposed to be sharing our faith in Christ and leading others to be saved. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And if you're going to do that, here's here's all you have to do. You have to tell other people what you have experienced. It's just that simple. I think sometimes we don't share our faith any more than we do because we feel like we've not had a proper class, we've not had training, we don't have enough verses memorized, we're not sure on the, you know, the, are we going to use these, the, what plan of salvation are we going to use? I don't even think it matters. It matters that you tell a person that Jesus died on the cross to pay for their sins, he was buried three days later, he rose again, he ascended to the Father, he's in heaven now, he's coming back, and before he comes back, we've got to get saved. And to be saved, we have to repent of our sins, and we have to ask Jesus to save us, and we have to trust Jesus to save us. That's the whole, that's all you have to know as far as gospel material. That's it. But in order to communicate that effectively to somebody, you have to say to them, I want to just tell you what God has done in my life. You say, John, now more specifically, what are we supposed to say God's done in our life? I mean, what, how do we have this conversation? Well, remember, if you're filled with the Spirit, If you're walking with Christ, you should be having, not every day, not every week, but ever so often, you should be having people come up to you. They're not going to say, would you please tell me how to get saved? Or would you please tell me how I can go to heaven? They're going to ask you some question about God. I mean, they're going to say something like, what's the difference between the Baptist and the Methodist? Or what's the difference between the Baptist and the Catholic? Or do y'all have mass Or how come y'all don't have the Lord's Supper every week? And sometimes we hear a question like that, and we just answer the question. Well, we, you know, we have communion four times a year. Some churches have it every week. It's just each church can decide how they want. We're answering a question that we, that they are technically asking. But friend, if somebody comes up to me in a restaurant anywhere else, and, and this has happened to me, and says to me, could you tell me the difference between the Baptist and the Catholic? The question they're really asking is, 
It's about God. How can I know God? Where do I stand? And they don't know how to even ask that question, so they're just asking it the best they can. But when you get asked a religious question like that, you have to have your spiritual antennas up and say, there's something more going on in this person's heart and mind. Than, they're not wanting to write a research paper on the difference between the Catholics and the Methodists or the Baptists. They're, they're, wanting to talk, they're wanting to have a spiritual conversation, and they don't know how. And so they've started the best we can. So answer that question the best you can, but then let God lead you on in that conversation and look for a way where you can tell that person what what has happened in your life because of Jesus Christ. The first thing we should all be able to share if we're saved, we should be able to share our salvation experience. How we met Jesus. Let me ask you a question. How many of you remember when you got saved. Say amen. How many of you, now this is a, you may not remember this part. How many of you would say by the raised hand, you can remember the day you got saved, the day of the week that it was. How many of you remember the day of the week? Remember the old song we used to sing? Back, I mean, you had to be around here pretty well, a long time to have sung that song, but they would sing that song. It was on a Monday Remember that song? Any of you remember that? Some of you over 40 say that you remember that song? I I was going, earlier in the week, I was going to lead us in that song. And then I think God just providentially shut that down because you don't want me leading you in any song. But it would be a fun thing to do sometime. And we may come back and revisit that. That song, if if you're not familiar with it, I'm not going to sing it to you, but I'll say it to you. The whole idea is we're going to sing through Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, every day of the week. And on your day, the day you got saved, you stand up on that day. So the first, it was on a Monday, somebody touched me. It was on a Monday, somebody touched me. It was on a Monday, somebody touched me. It must have been the hand of the Lord. And then the Monday people sat down and you went on to verse 2. It was on a Tuesday and all the way through. And you finally get to Sunday, and that's when most everybody stands up. Most people got saved on Sunday. Some people can't remember when they got saved. And some people stand up because they just feel like they got to stand up. But the point is, if you've been saved, you have had some experience in your past where you got saved, where you received Christ. And if that was genuine, he has changed your life. And you should be able in a gym, in a bank, in a restaurant, at the office, on the ball field, in a band practice, you should be able to say, it was on a Tuesday when Jesus touched me and he forgave me and he saved me and he gave me peace in my heart and he gave me the assurance that when I die, I'm going to heaven. And if you've never had a day when Jesus has done that for you, today could be your day. See, you're just, what does a witness do in a courtroom setting? Call a witness up on the stand, swear him in. They start asking questions. What is the witness doing? The witness is telling what he's experienced. That's all he's doing. He's not quoting law. He's not explaining things to the prosecutor, the defendant. He's certainly not telling the judge how to run the court. He's just saying, hey, look, here's what I experienced. Here's what I saw. And that's why I'm here today. He's a witness. What does a witness do? A witness tells what he has witnessed, what he has experienced. What does a witness for Christ do? Same thing. You just tell what you have witnessed. You tell what you have experienced. Well, that is so very true. A witness simply tells others what he or she has experienced. And so today, as you think about your own life and you think about your own relationship with God, let me ask you this question. Has Jesus Christ ever changed your life? 
Has there ever been a time in your life where you got through all the trappings of religion, you got through all the outward ceremonies, and you went directly to Jesus Christ asking him to forgive your sins and to make you a Christian? And if you've never done that, or if you're not sure that you have, could I just lead you in a prayer today? And no matter where you might be right now, you can pray this prayer. The Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so if you'll pray this, the Lord will save you, and he will begin the process of changing your life from the inside out. Just say this, say, Lord Jesus, I need to be saved. My life needs to be changed. I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me. Come into my heart now and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me, and I trust you to do it. In your name I pray. Amen. And friend, if you have heard that prayer, I want to just say congratulations. Today is the day of your salvation. God heard you. God has answered your prayer. The Holy Spirit has come to live in your heart. He will never leave you. And he's going to begin now the process of making you the person he wants you to be. I encourage you to get in a good church in your area and share your decision with somebody else. Thanks and God bless.